0: Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dotson, pastor of JF Believers Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. Matthew chapter 19. So in verse 21, Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, it seems knowing us better than we know ourselves, Jesus knew this man's heart better than even he himself did. Jesus tells him that if he wants to be perfect, or better, if he wants to be complete or whole, is the thinking. He was to sell all that he had and give it to the poor. Now please note that this directive was and is not meant to be a corporate directive, but rather. This was designed to expose this individual man's weakness. I mean, Jesus knows every man's weakness. This was the breaking point at the crossroads to this man's salvation. Verse 22, But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he was one who had great possessions. Well, it was at this crossroad that this man chose the wrong direction. He was sorrowful, but he was unrepentant. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation, and that brings no regret. But the sorrow of the world produces death. You know, it seems that we all come to that same crossroad at some point in our lives. Some even pass that way more than once, but there's no guarantee of that. Whatever admiration this man had for Jesus, whatever desire he had even deep down to find spiritual peace, it was all still weaker than his love for his wealth and his position in society. He is the man, I guess, from Matthew thirteen twenty-two that says, "'What was sown among the thorns, "'this is he who hears the word.' but the cares of this age, "'the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word, "'and he becomes unfruitful.'" I can't help but wonder today what that crossroads issue is for each of us. Verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, Most certainly, I say to you, the rich man will enter into the kingdom of heaven with difficulty. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into God's kingdom. It seems that money and possessions are one of the grandest traps of all to keep us from the arms of Christ. Certainly, it must be at the heart of Satan's grand scheme to be used to bring down the Western nations as we all seemingly drown in our prosperity. Now Jesus doesn't say it's impossible, but it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? I mean, a camel through the eye of a needle? That would really take a long time. Now many have attempted to lessen the blow of this passage with various revised interpretations There was at that time a small gate in the wall of Jerusalem, and they called it the eye of the needle. So there have been those who have believed that Jesus meant the difficulty of cramming a camel through that gate. Or some say a a camel rope through a standard needle. But in light of the disciples' reaction, there's no reason to believe Jesus meant anything other than the obvious and the simplest interpretation. And by the way, in the parallel passage in the uh, Gospel of Luke, the term needle, well, is specific to that of a surgeon's needle, not a gate. Verse 25, when the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Now the disciples were coming from the thinking that the rich were blessed by God, and, and of course they would be saved. Of course. Therefore, then the next step would certainly be the reverse, that if blessed by God, then you'll also be rich. Sound familiar? Yes, I guess some fleshly false doctrines are just too tempting to let die. Certainly, the apostles still had a ways to go in their spiritual maturity. Looking at them, Jesus in verse 26 says, "...with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible." Now, Jesus was not absolutely ruling out that such an occurrence as the rich entering into the kingdom of God. Even history tells us that even within the Christian realm, there are some men who just can't seem to give it away. The more they gave away, the richer they got, and they just kept giving it to God and they just kept getting more back. But Jesus wasn't gonna pass up the opportunity to drive home his point here, because we definitely can say that that phenomenon, well, it's rare, that's for sure. Despite the bluntness of this message, man will always be apt to believe, well, as we do with most other scriptural warnings, that, well, we individually are the exception to the rule. That even though it's a hard thing to do, well, we'll get that camel through the needle's eye. Verse 27, then Peter answered, Behold, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Peter, 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 when will you learn to think before you speak? Now, Alas, Peter here speaks from his heart, however inappropriate or however poorly timed. Peter wonders then, with all that's being said, what will become of him and the others? Because he knew that he loved Jesus and he knew that he'd left everything to follow him. I mean, what could they expect on the earthly realm due to their commitment to Christ? Verse 28 says, Jesus said to them, Most certainly I tell you that you have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on the throne of his glory. You also will sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Everyone who has loved houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive 100 times and will inherit eternal life. Please note the word, everyone. You see, verse 28, in that passage, Jesus answers the apostles directly by promising them a special place of honor beside him in the heavenly realm. And then in verse 29, he moves on to us some 2,000 years later with one of the most profound and wonderful promises in all of Scripture. Yet, when we read verse 29, we experience, no doubt, simultaneous waves of two seemingly opposing issues. Both the extreme cost, as well as the extreme reward of discipleship. I believe no verse in all of the Bible is more dramatically succinct on this issue than this verse 29. It is clear and it speaks volumes in but one simple sentence. Verse 30 says, but many will be last who are first and first who are last. So in a final word of caution within this subject. Jesus warns those who would be falsely motivated by this last verse 29. He wants them to know that Jesus is not the stock market. He's not an investment plan, at least financially speaking. No doubt we are to understand also that the real fulfillment of truth in verse 29 will only be manifest in the eternal Certainly the coming judgment and the resulting verdicts will not operate like that of the world. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Pastor Tim and JF Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.